Hello, racing fans. Edison Hatter back with another episode of First Over with Edison Hatter. We've got some December racing now. It is Saturday, December 3rd, 2022 coming up. And we've got uh, two good guests here to discuss that early pick five sequence. First, John Rallis. John, welcome. Good. Thanks for having me back, Edison. And the man who will be taking over both of these shows on the network next week, both the Mohawk Show and the Meadowland Show, it's Mike Rabosi. Mike, welcome. I'm ready. Uh, it's It's been an interesting night at Mohawk, to say the least, Thursday night. Well, I think, let's, let's see, last time we were together, Monday night on a roundtable, I was sitting in the University of Florida in Gainesville, Florida. So finished Florida Tuesday, saw Florida Natural History Museum, got really good seafood dinner, uh, went through North Carolina last night, got back home to Maryland here tonight to watch the Meadowlands and Rosecroft and Mohawk on my TVs, and we're driving back up to Freehold in the Meadowlands Tomorrow and Saturday, of course, and the next weekend, Mike, you are hosting because I'll be out in Arizona for the RTIP Symposium, so a uh, busy, busy time of year. But either way, we roll on here with our Saturday, December 3rd card at Wood by Mohawk. But uh, before we get to that, let's do a little discussing of, if I can pull it up here on my computer, we have just seen the voters vote in the finale, the Week 26 Hamiltonian Society and Breeders' Crown poll, and... Uh, well, Mike, I guess we'll start with the obvious discussion point here. Uh, Bulldog Hanover is number one for the umpteenth week in a row, but he received 34 first-place votes. I will put it on public record. I am one of those first-place votes. He did not receive one first-place vote that went to Bella Bellini. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think somebody just you know, obviously isn't watching or has some sort of bias against Bulldog because he's the obvious number one. Uh, choice. Bella Bellini's had a fine year, but I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, but these polls are very subjective. Well, John, at the very least, Bella Bellini is a clear number two in the poll, at least in my mind here. So, uh, definitely one of the top two, maybe, but I don't think about Bulldog. No, I think, uh, I mean, I think the voter, I mean, Bella Bellini was awesome all year. I mean, she was incredible. It's just you run into a freight train that's uh, Bulldog Hanover, but. Again, it's going to get the people talking, which I guess is is good for the game of harness racing. But uh, it's really hard to dispute that Bella Bellini was better than Bulldog this year. But you know, it's, like I like you guys said, it's all subjective, right? Now, Mike, number three is Test of Faith. I believe I might have had her a notch or two lower in my final poll of the year. Um, you know, there's just there's just been a couple starts lately. I'm not so sure about, especially the Breeders' Crown defeat. I mean, I know we can discuss trip, but. Outright, I just don't think she had it last time out. So, you know, I know the 11 wins from 19 starts this year still looks pretty darn good. And she's hit the board in 18 of them. So, I mean, I'm not knocking her. But, I don't know, the end of the season might not have been as as great as it could have been. No, I could see others passing her up. Uh, But she has had a fine year. If you're going by recency, then no, I think she could come down a couple pegs. If you're going by the entire year, then I could see where she would land there. Now, John, next two, we go to some of the three-year-olds are taking up many of the next spots in this poll, and we start with the Philly Trotters. Jiggy Jog, four. Joviality, five. Yeah, I think, you know what, I think the voters got it right initially. I mean, I thought Joviality was the best Philly Trotter all year. Uh, then they met up at the Red Mile, uh, both of them, but Joviality actually had to start from the second tier, and Jiggy Jog got to start right on the gate, and uh, she got the best of them. She got the best of her. So I was just waiting for the Breeders' Crown when they would get a chance to clash and Jiggy Jog just proved to be more superior. She was just the better, she was the better horse. And she showed it when uh, Joviality went to Dover Downs and disappointed as a big chalk, didn't even hit the board. So I think the voters got it right. They both tested the waters against the boys this year in the Hamiltonian. Obviously Joviality was a runner up finisher. Jiggy Jog still raced well, but if they were 
racing in the Philly division all year, they obviously would be the top two dominating, but uh, they did it. And Jiggy Jock just prevailed, especially towards the end of the year. And when they competed together, she was just better. Now, Mike, uh, next we see the two Glamour boys. Now, this was a big switch in the poll. Pebble Beach was five last week. He's down to seven in the final poll. And Beach Glass went from number 10 to number six and actually passes Pebble Beach in the final poll of the year. Yeah, obviously off that progress win. And that was a fast race. And he's he's had a very nice year also. I mean, he he's, you know, won a lot of big races. Uh, you know, Meadowlands Pace, uh, he was right there. And he won the cane also. Um, you know, the, the progress, I think, boosts him up just a, a notch over Pebble Beach. But it's hard to argue with that Pebble Beach Breeders' Crown final. And, and I just think that he... It's very equal. I think there's six points between them in the poll. Flip a coin. Who do you like? Well, John, it might be quite a few points back, but next in the poll at number eight, it's another Glamour Boy. How about by the Missile? Yeah, I mean, this was a horse that was lightly raced uh, last year and then just burst onto the scene, winning the Adios uh, at the Meadows and just proved to be pretty good all year. I mean, won a lot of races, won some big ones too, uh, won the Milstein, won the Adios, and uh, unfortunately didn't win the, got a questionable drive in the Breeders' Crown final but uh still proved to be good i'm not sure where i would rank him i i guess he's ranked uh ranked accordingly but he's not just not as good as the other two above i think it's between beach class and pebble beach and i think you could just flip a coin between those two now mike the sole two-year-old in this poll at the end of the year sylvia hanover eight for nine this year breeders round champion checks in at number nine yeah only one loss this year she was fantastic uh, you know, if you if she didn't exactly pass the eyeball test all the time, but she won eight out of nine, and and she was very convincing in the stretch and and almost all of her races. Uh, I think she fits, especially given uh, some of the male two year olds beating up on each other. She was the dominant uh, two year old Philly pacer. I, I feel like she fits here. I have no problem with it. And John rounded out Ecury DDK checks in at number 10 off of his three wins this year. You know what? I mean, I guess you could probably put him in by – there's not really anyone that could challenge him, to be honest with you, for the 10th and final spot. Um, he obviously didn't – he won – he crushed the Breeders' Crown. He deserves to be here. He won that TVG final at Meadowlands too. So, he, I mean, he didn't race as much as some of the others, but there's nobody really else who can put ahead of him to contest. Uh, he won some big races and – He's just a really good horse. Well, in points order, the remaining horses with votes are Special Way, Bond, Grace Hill, Alleywag Canover, Volume 8, Nikki Hill, Fashion Schooner, Atlanta, Oh Well, It's Academic, Ponda Warrior, Cool Papa Bell, King of the North, Stockade, Sealster, Confederate, Twin B, Joe Fresh, Wheels on Fire, Ammo, and Tattoo Artist. So honestly, just reading that list of names should be a pretty good review in general of Grand Circuit season that has officially now wrapped up for this 2022 year. But nonetheless, racing rolls on, and it will for many weeks to come at both Wood by Mohawk and the Meadowlands. In fact, for the Meadowlands, minus Christmas week, we're pretty much rolling through Hamiltonian weekend. And uh, likewise for Mohawk, they pretty much do not take much of a break either along the way. Obviously, they'll also take a little break there Christmas week, but um, have the Boxing Day program, of course, December 26th, and just kind of keep rolling besides that. And we'll keep rolling here with the 10-race program Saturday, December 3rd, 2022. Listeners can go to www.woodbine.com backslash mohawk backslash free hyphen programs, the very own free racing program for the racing action to follow along with us here. And in fact, that's what I've got pulled up on the iPad right now is that racing program here, which as always includes the horse player's journal written by Robert Reed Jr. And uh, 
for the first race tonight. That will kick off that early pick five, 20 cent base wager, $100,000 guaranteed pick five pool. And uh, Mike, John, I'll be, of course, relying on you two here because obviously with my travel this week, I haven't quite gotten a chance to look at this program. I'll probably peek at it Saturday while at the Meadowlands, maybe put in my own pick five ticket. But let's hear about your twos here. So it's a pop-up consolation for the Pacers here for a person of 15,000. Uh, Mike, how will you start your pick five on the Saturday night? So these pop-up series, they like to race here now, especially this year that it started. And this one is numbers of 35,000 in 2022. And the horses that did well in these series end up in the final for more money. And they fill other races by having these consolations, uh, which is the horses that did not race well enough in those preliminary events to make the final. Uh, a horse that showed up in one of those races was the four Rotten Ronnie, who was bet off the board in that race, was 2.421 versus some of the faster horses in that series, the Wild River Bumblebees, the Artie's Ideals, horses that will be the favorite in the final, uh, and that's race 10 later on on Saturday. I feel like that this horse was well-meant, but didn't get much of a, a trip in the race. Ended up slow early, was... a eight lengths behind, basically rode the rail and passed a horse late, uh, kicked 28 and four in a fast race. That race was 51 and two on the clock. That was after this horse, you know, had shipped in from the Maritimes. Uh, this horse has been facing obviously lesser horses than this. They, somebody liked this horse. And I would think that all that, uh, love for this horse is going to come out in this race because if he runs anything close to a slightly better than that race, he's probably going to win this. I'll use one other though, and that's the six. The boss said, who is capable of a fast mile. This horse went 51 this year at Mohawk. Uh, didn't race very well in the pop-up, but has the connections. Did have an excuse last time, broken equipment. Is capable of a big rally. I think this horse will be off the pace, trying to make a move late. So give me the four and the six in the first race. Now, John, how do you see the sequence to start it off? Well, I think Mike pretty much touched on it. I mean, you look at this race in this field. I mean, there's just too many X's for me. I mean, I camp at the one. I camp at the two or the three. It just it just leaves me to to pretty much to me it leaves me to one horse because I know they're going to be they're going to be betting the four and the six. But I think Mike's got the right idea. I think Rotten Ronnie's the horse that I'm just going to have to single in this sequence because. He was off a month heading into that last start. I mean, he shipped in. He was supposed to race on the 12th of November, and then he was a six scratch. Then he ends up racing on the 26th, and like Mike said, it was a pretty fast mile. I mean, he went up against two horses that would easily be one to five, one to nine in this group in Wild River Bumblebee and Artie's Ideal. And now he draws in in a, in a really soft group. He should be tighter against this group. Now, the boss said, I mean, he was he shows those miles earlier on in October. I mean, those miles get the job done here, but where's he been the last three starts? Maybe the broken equipment was an excuse, but he was third over. He looked like he was going to come and pick up some pieces, pick up some shares, and he just didn't pace as well as he as he should have. He didn't really pass anybody. So I can't really back him just by virtue that he's going to get bet, and I know the four is going to get bet. I'm not going to use both of them. I'm just going to single Rotten Ronnie because he's the horse that I can at least say he had an excuse because he was off a month. Maybe the broken equipment was was uh, affected him a great deal. I'm not sure, but I just can't back him in this spot. I'm just going to single Rotten Ronnie and just go along with my ticket. The interesting part of the race is, you know, even though, I mean, the four was bad and you know, we're still not, I mean, this horse still kind of has to prove it at this racetrack, I think. And the boss said, just seems like the only other horse that can win the race. Like, I just can't find anything else in the race. Uh, there's, there's something. 
you know, there that, that I feel like, and he's been bet, especially his past couple races. He hasn't been good. I just feel like that he is capable and he's the other one if the four is no good. So, yep. Well, I may not have anything to add, but you know what? I'll take the cheat sheet. How about the horse players journal by Robert Reed Jr.? He'll go four, three, six, seven here in this race. Rotten Ronnie, he'll take on top, who will start as our five to two morning line favorite. Race two, we go to five-year-olds and youngers, winners of two but not more than four races or 45,000 lifetime. They're on the pace for the purse of 19,000. And, uh, John, we'll let you start this one off. Who do you like here? Well, this is a really interesting race because you've got some horses who have gone up against uh, much better horses throughout the year. Ron specifically, which is Robert Reed's top pick. Fortunately, I didn't really see much in his last two efforts. I didn't think the drive was great on the 12th. He was really poor on the 19th. And I, because of that, I can't really, I just can't use him. He's only one for 18 on the year. I understand he's raced against much, much better, but he's just not going to end up on my ticket. The one Acapulco Sunburn, he's going to likely be the favorite here. He's been really good the last two weeks. I mean, he missed some time. He was a little short in that start in the fifth, and then he came back with some really good efforts the last two weeks. He was actually gapped off, uh, turning for home. Caligny Hanover was leading that race, and I thought that he was going to win. That was his first start for trainer Victor Putty. He improved a lot, actually, racing for him, and he should be in a forward position again. But I just don't think that he's good enough to finish off miles against these horses because they have just so much speed that they can provide late. Um, so I'm going to use the one here. The other one that I'm going to use is the six. You're the one. He was actually really good. Pacing really well in between a bunch of horses. He draws well tonight. I haven't, You haven't really seen much early speed from him lately, but maybe this is a spot where you can follow Helmet Live. He does have some late speed, and I do think that he's going to be some value with the 10-to-1 morning line. I do really like the six as well, in addition to the one. Jabberwocky worries me a little bit because he's, also, he's always got the ability to kind of put the slip on guys and open up by seven. The thing is, is these horses are going to be able to do some pacing late in the mile. So if he's up by seven and tires late, these horses can catch him. He was driven differently last week, but... I'm just going to go too deep here. I'm just going to go the one and the six. Mike, how about for you? I do understand the six. I, I did put him on my sheet. And, and this is, seems like one of the classic, like, Colin wake-ups. And he's going to get a setup. So I, I think he has possibilities. But I, I feel like the one Acapulco Sunburn has been very, very good its last two, uh, especially two back. Uh, just, it, you know, that was a very windy night on November 19th. And a lot the front end was doing very well. And he just... It didn't matter to him. He found, he he got away early, sat behind. When he wanted to go, he just kicked, blew right by them. Last week, same thing. When when James set him down, he just took off. Uh, so his last two races have been excellent at this level, and he's always had a lot of talent, right? Even back in the summer, he would show flashes, and you know he's made one hundred and twelve thousand. He would come up with that one big race, and then he would kind of go off form for a while. So that's sort of the danger here. Whereas, is he going to continue this form? The two Jabberwocky, like like John said, is very interesting because he's capable of of massive early speed that puts separation on fields. And if you look when he, I didn't think he'd be any good there on November nineteenth. Now, granted, that was versus lesser horses, but he came back, got the front, and just blasted away on the turn, and there was no catching him. Last time, completely different trip. He was bet against these horses was sat and still finished that mile. And I did like that. I, I thought that that was one of his better races up here, even though he did not win. So he's the other one for me. He's the one I feel like if the one doesn't fire, the two will probably be up close and could find a way in this race. So I'm one, two. Well, for Robert Ray Jr., the Horse Players Journal will be a five one six four. He'll go with Ron on top, but it is on the morning line. The one Alcapulco Sunburn off the win last time out that will start off at five to two there on the line. 
Now, race three, we go to nine winners, 18,500 in their last five starts on the pace for a purse of 26,000. And uh, Mike, we see Desperate Man here as the two to one morning line favorite from the rail. What do we do with him in the spot? Well, I am going to use him on the ticket only because it is a drop and it's a driver change. And on his best day, we know what he's capable of. I mean, he won the North America Cup here beating Bulldog Hanover. Not the actual this year version of Bulldog Hanover, but still beat Bulldog Hanover in that spot. Still did show some life earlier in this year versus the top horses. It was only a couple-week period, but he did kind of find himself there for a while. He's second back. He kicked 26 in that preferred last time, really, with no chance. And now you get J-Mac. And typically, Henry has been the guy on this horse. He he really had driven him almost every start. I mean, he would even travel to drive this horse. I don't know that he wins, though. I think Woodmill Steeldale, the, the two, is sitting on a race. I mean, he's been sort of against your no-free lunches, your Sintras, your Mappos lines. And he always makes that early move. He races well, but just seems to get tired late. But I, I feel like he could get a trip here. Drury sticks with him. He's going to be in behind the speed here. He does. He's not going to have to cut this mile. If he falls into a trip, he's 8-1 to morning line. He's, I think, going to make the Maltese interesting. And then American history, who shows up? Which one? Which version? The one that crushed November 12th, the similar bunch, or the one that basically fell flat in a couple races in November uh, if you look at that November 19th line, jumped to the front and just got tired. Last time they sat, he finished 28 and 1 in a fast race when favored. Really, no one was catching points north in there. I feel like the trip's different now. I think he's up close. If he's good, I think you'll know early. So I'm going to include him. I was 126. John, what about for you? Yeah, I think Mike uh, Mike touched on Desperate Man. I think, I mean, I wouldn't have used him in the. Pre- in the preferred races, but now he's getting a drop down. He's had a tightener on, under his belt. I'm not in love with him in this spot, but clearly he can he can win at his best. Uh, but now, I mean, he just did, all he did was just he ro- he railroaded and then he just paced home in 26. Uh, the other the other horse, I mean, I'm, I agree with Mike. I'm going to go four deep to be honest, yours because I like the two of Mir Steel deal as well. I mean, if there is some action up front, he can go and pick up the pieces. He really had no shot last time. He was sitting third on the rail. And Sintra was was cutting the mile, and he was just going so slow, and it just became a sprint turning for home. I mean, everybody paced home in twenty six. He has no chance to win that race with those uh with those panels. So, I mean, he raced great, just no chance to win single file, and and you're not going to outpace the leader when he could kick home in twenty six. And American History is another one that I'm going to use just because of, I mean, he's the unknown in this race. I mean, he's good enough to beat these at his best, but you just don't know which version you're going to get. Last week I was completely off him because I knew that he was a. Uh, a horse that was going to be bet. And I just think that he's too volatile a horse to, I mean, to use. He was a short price favorite. He showed nothing, but he's going to be some value on Saturday night. And I think that's a horse that you want to include on your ticket because on his best day, like Mike said, he can win. I'm really actually surprised that he booked off of a uh, commanding office where I thought had been racing better than American history lately. And I'm actually going to use him on the ticket too. He was, wasn't great last week, but I really liked his effort two weeks uh, on the 12th. And I liked it on the fifth as well, two weeks prior. So I'm going to use him. Colin picks up a live drive here. All he's got to do is point him forward and, and put him in position. He can definitely win at this level. So I'm, I'm going to use one, two, and uh, one, two, six, seven in this race. For the horse players, Journal Robbery Jr., it'll be a one, two, three, six. He will go with Desperate Man there on top again. He starts as our two to one morning line favorite. Now, for race four, we end up going for non winners of 3,800 in their last five starts on the pace for a purse of 13,000. John, we will start with you here, and it is a post 
10, the morning line favorites. He's in control on a big class drop here. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to single. I'm not even going to try and beat him. I'm pretty shocked that Doug booked off. I mean, I understand he drives for Marfizi uh, most times, but this is a pretty big class drop for he's in control. And uh, he hasn't been as sharp as he has been in years past. But, yes, I mean, he was driven – he was uh, driven like he was well meant last week. Bob McClure kind of, I mean, he, he tried to brush him to the lead and points north was just stubborn last time and wouldn't let him go. And obviously that was a really quick mile and he faded. I know he draws outside, but this is a really, really big drop. I mean, he's not facing the points north, the Legion Seelsters, the Mapos line. He's supposed to get the best out of this group outside post or not. I'm going to single and I'm not even going to try and beat him. Singled. Mike, will you single as well or will you try to beat him? I, I am singled. I, I'd like the horse too back. I had him on top. On NahuPicks.com, November 19th. And I actually like this race. He he sat in seventh. Uh, Legion Silster got the front. He took a very nice uh, move at him on the turn. Basically got up to the wheel. I know it doesn't really say that in the chart, but he got up close. Legion Silster just wasn't losing that night. I took him back last week, November 26th, against better horses. He was 4-1 to one in the race. Similar type of move. He gets stuck outside against a, a horse up front that was never giving up the lead and ended up winning that race. So now you're looking at, he's getting horses that have been racing. Nomers of 2,000 last three. Nomers of 6,000 and struggling. I know that McNair booked off and that did give me pause. Uh, you know, he ends up on the four, let's get pickled, who raced okay last time, you know, and that was a fast half. It's more easy. I get it. If he wins, am I going to, uh, you know, think, oh, wow, what a crazy result. No, I'm not. But I do think that if I'm going to take he's in control in his last two starts, you have to take him here regardless of who's driving because he's supposed to win. And that move this time, then when he tries to brush to the league, is going to clear and is going to get away from most of these. So, yes, I'm going to keep the 10. So, Mike, 9-5 to five for he's in control against non-winners of 12,000 last time. It is or two back. It is post-10 here. We do see the driver selection away from him, but what price do you think he is at post time? I think he's sub-even money. Yeah, he should. And you know what's funny? He was actually, I'm pretty sure that that start on October 15th, I'm pretty sure that he was actually assigned a 10-hole that night, but there was a few scratches, so Sylvan ended up drawing into the 7-hole. But he was assigned that 10-hole that night as well with Sylvan driving when he wanted a short price. He came off the pace that night, but he was an easy winner. Well, 10-3-2-5 for Robbery Jr. Looks like he's he's on control as well, as it seems many maybe now race five to close it out non-winners of 6600 in their last five starts on the pace for a purse of 16,000 we have a field of 10 here as we go to you first this time Mike Probozzi beyond better also taking a bit of a class drop gets the morning line favorites role I think it's a spread race uh can beyond better win off his best I do think he can However, McClure is usually the one sitting behind him and he is not sitting behind him now you get Austin Sorry. so what are you going to get here? You get a, you get a better post. You get a class drop. You're going to get a short price. I don't really trust him. Uh, I, I do think that he can win, and and the better beyond better of last year would absolutely crush this field. Uh, my top pick was the four. Better be flying. He's uh, sort of the now horse, and uh, I thought he raced extremely well on November 21st. Just didn't quite get out in time to catch race credit. Back that up five days later, and. And beat race credit was actually in that race, uh, that numbers of three thousand, but won that one with ease. I do think that he's sharp and can beat these horses. I also use the five Cheddar Bay, two straight wins at London at their top level, one from the seven hole. That was a very tough race from an outside post, and he still won. I think he needs juice. He's ten to one morning line. Real Willie, I thought raced well last time also, 
Uh, he was bet for numbers of 6,600. He was 5-1 to one in that race. Now you get McNair. He drives this horse really well, and he occasionally can win. He always makes money. And then the 7, Josie Hanover. Uh, if you look back November 5th, that number's at 12,000. That was a tough race. No free lunch came out of that to race really well. Fabrizio was racing very well prior to that in that race. He kicked 26-4 and four in that race, shipped to London. Uh, that was a tough race against Cheddar Bay. Ended up in a hot pace for London. Raced well, I thought, in there. McClure finds his way to this horse instead of beyond better for his man, McIntosh, who he usually races for. I use that one also. So big spread here, three, four, five, six, seven. John, you agree, spread race? Yeah, I I mean, I remember talking to Robert Reed last week, um, and I, I told him that beyond better, I mean, I can't wait to fade him when he draws inside just because I, I'm just not a fan of what he's doing right now, personally. And I think he's a horse that you kind of – not you don't have to back, but this isn't really the strongest group. But I am still going to spread. I bet Mike. I agree with you on Josie. I mean, I bet the horse on. A, I bet the horse on November fifth. I mean, I figured that that was a night that he had to leave, and he left at big odds, and he was sitting a two hole trip, and I was salivating when he pulled out of the two hole, and then he just couldn't go by, and ended up no free lunch and up winning. But I, I don't know if it's because he, it's his allegiance to John Petland that he. That he booked off of the three, or maybe just doesn't think that the three is a high quality horse right now. But this is a pretty big drop. I will use Beyond Better. I will, I'll probably, I didn't like Josie Hanover's last two races personally. I know that was a quick mile on the fifth, but I mean, he was terrible last week at London. Uh, really no excuse to, to fade that, that poorly. So I guess I'll use the seven. I'll probably use some Madman Hill just because, I mean, just the element of unknown. And uh, better be flying is good. And yeah, I'll throw him. Actually, I'll use, sorry, not better be flying. I'll use uh, Actor Hanover. Actor Hanover is pretty good. I'll give him a shot and a class drop. Those chart lines look interesting, though, because they're saying that everybody kicked home in 25 seconds in that third quarter. Uh, I don't think that was the case, though. If I recall watching that race, the, the half went in 53 and change. So I think those third quarters were about 28 seconds or so. But I'm not really – maybe the timer was off that night, but I'm pretty sure they went to the half in 53. So those uh, – yeah, They went crazy early in that race. I, I think they should double-check those chart lines because it says that everybody here uh, kicked the third quarter in 25 seconds. I'm not – I don't think that, that was the case, to be honest with you. Actor Hanover had live uh, legs late, and, you know, maybe he can improve. But this is a spread race uh, for me. I, just, I can't use Hale Christian. Um, he's just not a horse that really wants to go, and he was bet last week. I was off. I'm not going to be on him tonight. So I'll probably use two, three, two, three, seven, eight. Well, with Robert E. Jr. going seven, three, five, six, we'll take Josie Hanover on top. Uh, with that, that'll cover the early pick five. So let's give some tickets out. Mike, what do we have? So my ticket is uh, $12 uh, for 20 cents. It's the four, six with the one, two, with the one, two, six, with the 10, with the three, four, five, six, seven, 12 bucks. John? I've got the four keyed in the first, Rotten Ronnie. Then I've got in the second race, uh, one six. Third race, I've got uh, one, two, six, seven. Fourth race, I've got just the 10. And then the fifth race, I've got two, three, seven, eight. That is, is that $5.60? Is that right? $6.40? Uh, yeah. $6.40. Yep. $6.40 for John Rouse, $12 for Mike Rabosi. We've got two featured races we'll discuss later in the card races 9 and 10. But, uh, of course, we should note that this Saturday at Woodby Mohawk, there will be a retirement ceremony for the Great Bulldog Hanover. Obviously, we had ours down at the Meadowlands last Saturday. The world's fastest standard, Brady, went 145-4 and four earlier this year during the Meadowlands pace. So it was very interesting for me to have Jack Darling on the Meadowlands simulcast feed Saturday night before a race to discuss a little bit of the history of Bulldog, obviously from a $28,000 yearling to 
four for six in a pretty lightly raced two-year-old campaign. Pretty impressive 10 for 15 three-year-old season last year, which I recall specifically. In fact, the very first episode of First Over That Isn't Hatter was right on Hamiltonian Day that night in an Ontario Sire Stakes gold event. He was super impressive, parked the entire mile, winning anyway for fun. And of course, we all know what he did this year. But uh, Mike, here's the question for you, and John will get your opinion on this then too. So something PTF and I discussed on the Players Podcast was kind of the flight line versus Bulldog comparisons. We've heard them all year, and Obviously, with Bulldog or with uh, Flightline, six career starts, it's kind of tough maybe to draw judgments on the greatest of all time or equivalent discussion points when he only had the six starts. With the three seasons here, Mike, do you think we've seen enough of Bulldog to really pinpoint where he belongs in history here? I do think that you've seen enough from him, absolutely, because you got three pretty solid race filled seasons. Uh, and he was at the top level that whole time. Now, you know, he did lose the North America Cup last year. This was his best season. I think that he would even be better next year. I, I do feel that that's the case. Uh, I, I do feel like that he's etched his place because he's been at it for three years. We've seen plenty of races from him. Uh, he hasn't lost very many. He's he's stood up against the clock. He stood up against the top competition all the time. I mean, that's the thing about harness racing. You, you know, there's no picking spots and dodging things necessarily too much. It's, you know, the, the horses race against each other. So, and, and he was trying for records. He was shipping all over the country. He was facing the top ones. So I do feel like that he's etched his place and, and there's not a lot of argument. Uh, and there's not, a, and he did it over and over. It wasn't a one-time thing. He showed up. He beat the clock, and he beat everything around him. He lost one, what, he lose one race this year? I mean, I, I do feel like that he stands up versus Flightline where they picked his spots. He was lightly raced. Absolutely brilliant horse, but it's not the same thing. So, John, what do you have, Dad, on that discussion? Yeah, I, I agree with Mike. I mean, Bulldog was just doing it on a weekend and week out basis. He was facing the best in his division. I mean, minus Alleyweg. I mean, his connections didn't really – pay him up and you could argue that he's the second best aged pacer behind Bulldog. I mean, Flightline, what he did was impressive. I mean, he did a what in six starts. He never lost a race. There's no blemish on his resume, but I mean, he just, uh, you, you got to give the edge to a, a horse that's been doing it week in and week out. I mean, that's the beauty of this game. I think, I don't think Bulldog is the greatest standard bet of all time. I'd still give that uh, title to some beach somewhere personally, but I do think you can make the case that Bulldog had the greatest season of all time. Keep in mind, there was really social media wasn't really as strong when, or, or wasn't really a case when Sun Beach Somewhere was racing every week. So I think if people really got a chance to experience Sun Beach Somewhere, especially on social media, I think that we'd be having a much different discussion. I think he would be more recognizable in the game. The thing about Bulldog, too, though, is, you know, some horses, they're, they're capable, even like Always Be Mickey, he was capable of that perfect setup, perfect race to get that record. You know, Bulldog, it seemed like he was going for a record every time he put his, you know, he was on the track and he was capable of it every time, and he was winning in blowouts, and he wasn't getting setups. He didn't need everything to go perfect for him to, to get that. He was doing it, and he was five lengths clear. Uh, so that I think that's the difference for him, for me, in my eyes. Now, the track's a little more uh, faster now. The That Meadowlands track was a roadway when he broke that record, but he was doing it everywhere. So, I mean, that's that's the thing I, about him that I feel like stands above 
and it's you know he's fresh in our minds so um you know he's gonna i think that it'll probably fade just a little bit and the next one and the next one and all that stuff makes everyone else kind of look you know a little bit less and things like that but right now it's hard to argue he's not top five at least and maybe top three yeah i I can't i can't dispute any of that it's really tough when we start seeing horses of this caliber as we start to i mean immediately we to our minds, we just start comparing them all the time. And it's kind of hard because you just want to enjoy what they're doing in the moment, right? You don't want to try and discredit anything they're doing. Uh, Bulldog's great. I've loved watching him. I heard your last pod, Edison. I'm really glad that you mentioned John Malaya, the caretaker and groom of uh, the caretaker of Bulldog Hanover, because he's been a huge part of his success. If only you knew what he did for this horse. And I'm glad that Jack Darling also acknowledges that because he's really big. And uh, it's really great to see him be rewarded for that work because he's an absolute machine and Bulldog's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, again, uh, I said it last week, I'll say it again. Congratulations to the entire team that are Bulldog Hanover. And, um, you know, I guess we can dwell on the fact that we unfortunately won't get to see a five-year-old racing season from him, but we'll get to see some of his babies on the track in years to come. And, uh, of course, we were treated just a phenomenal season this year. And, you know, bringing the thoroughbreds back into the mix, I'm pretty confident looking down the road 20, 30, 40 years, no matter how long I'm in the sport, I don't think I'm ever going to see another summer like this when you get both a Bulldog and a flight line in the same season. So just tremendous, tremendous year of racing we've just concluded. Um, and uh, with that, we'll flip to these two featured races. We'll start with race nine, the preferred two pace for a purse of 30000 And I will start with two questions for you two before we start in on this. Mike, we'll start with the question for you. This is the preferred two versus the regular preferred. For our handicappers out there that may be new to harness racing or maybe just not familiar with this as a connotation, what exactly does that mean? Well, I think earlier this year, Mohawk uh, did something with their top level, their open race, their preferred race that they, and it, it's, um, it's tied to how many horses enter to how much the purse is. So they were racing, you know, here, if you look back October 15th, open handicap, it was 65,000. Uh, and that was, uh, let's see how many horses in there. That was a 10 horse race. So the, when they write the absolute top level at Mohawk right now, the purse is dependent on how big the field is. So right now with the preferred two, I don't believe that that's true. So this isn't the absolute top level at the track. So they can tag a number on like a $30,000 purse on it. And they, you know, don't have to apply the same rules. So I, I believe what John, am I correct in that? I, I know that the open, so the, the, they called it the open, which they set a number on, I think it was 8,000 or 7,500 per horse. So they wanted to incentivize the best horses coming here to race because they wanted a full field of 10. That's what, that's why they, they wanted a bit high purse. So that was their goal to get the open in summer with all the aged horses racing. They wanted them to be racing at Mohawk. Their hopes were getting a full field of 10. So maybe it was 6,000 uh, per horse actually. And then it, it would cap out at about 60, uh, 60,000. Yeah. I can't remember the exact number, but I think the preferred two and the preferred is, I think it's predicated based off if those top aged uh, pacers are racing. I want to say, cause uh, I think it depends on the wheels on fire and the, and the Warwe vitals. In, in the group well but even last week i think well it was a shorter field but they only went for 34 um in the preferred and so. yeah so i think the preferred is when like wheels on I, i'm not 100 percent sure but i think the preferred is when like the wheels on fire and the where are we vitals are actually i'm i'm not even to be honest i'm not even sure maybe it's just based on purse i i don't know you that's something that uh, you'd have to ask robert about i'm not yeah he's probably better like this yeah. better question Edison, something i can't answer 
Well, honestly, I was on the same track as you two. Didn't want to admit it, so I'm glad that we're all a little slightly confused. So, you know, we'll get an answer to that for uh, next time we're around together on a show. But, okay, John, I think you can answer this one maybe a little better. The second question I got for us. So much more is in this field. A mayor against the boys. What exactly does that mean? And uh, I don't know. How do you handicap her versus the boys in a spot like this? I mean, she obviously you want to give the edge to the boys, but I'm just not sure if the boys are at the top of their level right now like she is. So I might even side with her to beat the boys tonight because I just don't love what I see from this group. I mean, there's no wheels on fire. There's no Warwick Vitals. There's no Sentry Heinekens in this group. I, I mean, I think this is this might be time to take a stab with so much more because she's just so sharp right now. And maybe she can get the best of this group. So, Mike, a casual viewer might kind of note that with Bella Bellini's of the world and, and you know, uh, Jovialities and Jiggy Jogs's, it seems like Philly Trotters seem to go against the boys more often than the Pacers. Is that true? Well, I think that at, at lower levels, you see boys against girls all the time. They write all kind of races uh, for both. And they're, a lot of times they're open. You see Phillies against the boys a lot. Uh, at the topper level, at the upper levels, it's, it doesn't happen as much. And, and at the stakes level, it really doesn't happen as much. You, you occasionally find, you know, the so much mores of the world that can take on the boys, but it, it doesn't happen. I mean, that Yonkers trot earlier this year, uh, what was it? Um, I'm trying to think of the, the result in there. Um, one of the international trot or in one of the invitationals? Yeah, in one of the invitationals. Um, well, irregardless, it's escaping me currently. But at the, to- at the top level, you see a few that can do it. The lower the levels, your claimers, your non-winners races and things like that, you see mares against the boys all the time. In fact, I just was reading through and preparing for a couple races like that at Friel tomorrow. So definitely true. We see them a good bit. But with that in mind, let's get to the handicapping. <laughs> six, as we mentioned, the War Weave Vitals, Wheels on Fires of the World are out of here. So codenamed Cigarbach, Morning Line Favorite, and that mare, so much more, will end up being the uh, second choice here on this morning line. Mike, how'd you handicap this one? Well, I think it's a spot for codenamed Cigarbox to uh, kind of right the ship a little bit. He's been dancing the dances, the chasing the wheels on fires, the Century Heineken's, and I, I feel like that he's been against it uh, as far as the pace has con- been concerned, and it's been difficult to pass those horses. Wheels on Fire has been very, very good for several weeks and just doesn't want to get passed. And, you know, Century Heineken, when he won, uh, that was a speed trip. He's been coming from off the pace, uh, codenamed Cigar Box, and I feel like that the short field helps him, uh, a, a different set of horses help him, and I feel like that he's good enough to beat these horses, even with so much more in the race, who's probably going to take a bunch of money. And John, how did you see this one? You said maybe it's worth taking a chance on so much more here? Yeah, I mean, these uh, these high-level pacers just haven't really... They haven't really done much lately. I mean, maybe maybe it is codenamed Cigar Box uh, chance. I mean, he was first up, two back. I mean, it was just a really tough mile. And then last week, he just really didn't get involved. He kicked home in 25. He, he couldn't gain. Everybody was just pacing so quick. It was just a race where you couldn't really, really gain. And he did his best. I mean, he, he paced his heart out. But he just keeps he keeps falling short in this class. There's, there's weeks where he probably should get up there. He's, he's had the setups to get up there, and he just couldn't. Maybe this is the night. I mean, Map of Sign was another horse that, I mean, on the 19th. He, he came out, and he was second over, and he was kind of flat. And... There's just so many horses that just aren't doing it, and I understand they're probably facing a bit better, but they're just they haven't been doing it as well as they should. And maybe this is a spot where so much more. She's not going to be entered here just to give her a race. The connections want her to win. She's capable of it, and maybe she can upset. and And maybe there is some value here. 
not sure what price she's going to be. Uh, enti- entirely, she, she won't be favorite, that's for sure. And yeah, I think this might be a spot where that she could win. There's a lot of horses that are racing well. I just don't know if they're going to be able to get it done in this group, a couple of them. But I think that there's horses that will take action that probably should have finished off their miles a bit better and probably gotten a better result. This feels like one of those races at Mohawk, especially like a short field kind of race that you'll see horses that are all very lumped together in odds. Like the one, the two, I think Cintra takes a fair amount of money. Carbine tends to get bet. Uh, If you look back, two back, he was 2.2 to one versus these horses. Uh, He was 3.2 to one on November the 5th. So that horse takes money. It seems like they're going to all be lumped together in odds to me. I don't think you're going to see a standout favorite in here because so much more is going to take her money. Uh, Some of the other, Sintra, he seems to take a lot of money around this place. So, it's one of those races. Uh, figure it out. Pick a winner. You'll get probably two to one on whichever one of those you like. Well, we'll flip next to race 10. Super I-5 wagering the finale. It is the pop-up final. And obviously here, sometimes you get a sense in these series where you get a chance to see these horses a couple times, kind of who the favorites may be. So, John, with that in mind, we saw Artie's ideal win a leg, finish second as an odds-one favorite last time. We saw Wild River Bumblebee win a leg last time out after being third the week before. We have seen Outlaw Ace of Spades upset a little bit last time at 4-1 to one in a leg. Millennium Sealster disappointed now twice here. Second last time as the even money favorite. And those seem to be some of possibly the main contenders in here. Yeah, they are. And obviously, Artie's Ideal is likely going to take the most support just because he draws the best. That's just the reality of it. Wild River Bumblebee was good last week, but draws the 10 hole now. So there will be value from out there. Uh, another horse that was great last week was HP Momentum. Just came first up and just kept going and going. Uncontrollable had a perfect second over in that trip and, and couldn't get by HP Momentum. HP Momentum has some sneaky talent, just hasn't really been able to put it together. I mean, he can really pace when he wants to, and that was a really, really good effort in that last race. Artie's ideal is going to be the favorite. He's got the best post. He's going to be pointed forward. They're going to have to uh, catch him. Uh, in this race, I'm probably going to side with somebody off the pace because I do think there might be – a, a bit of action. There might be some mixing up. This is for 30,000. This pop-up series final. These horses don't race for this kind of money. They're going to be put in play. They're going to be given a shot. And you know what? I'm going to side with Outlaw Spades to try and pick up the pieces late in this mile. And when I'm not going to take a short price on Artie's ideal, and I'm just not in love with uh, Wild River Bumblebee because I'm not, he, he might end up getting a first over trip when it's all said and done. So I'm probably going to side with the uh, Outlaw Spades to pick up the pieces. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Artie's ideal is going to be the chalk in this race. Get out race of the night, Mike. How are you going to bet it? I agree with John. I think that it could go a lot of different ways, especially depending on the trips that the 6 and the 10 get. I mean, they're coming out of that fast race, and there are some of these horses like the Unique Beaches and the Uncontrollables. I just don't feel like they stack up nearly as well, even though they're coming out of similar conditions, right? They're just not the same caliber of horse. Uh, You know, like Unique Beach, I did like last time, but kicked home 30 to win in a 54-mile so that, that race wasn't nearly as good. I mean, I know that time doesn't always matter with the Artie's ideal, Water River Bumblebee, that they went 54 and 4 to the half and finished in a 51 and 2 mile. So I feel like that those two kind of have separated themselves. But Outliers of Spades is a wild card in a sense that that horse is capable of big races and it did end up winning. And, and I felt like it was a little bit of a drop last time, dropping into this pop up, not facing the race credits and the. Island Special Majors and the Rock Me Romies. If you look back at his lines, he's got a lot of back class and he's going to get a setup. Uh, 
he's he's probably the one. I think it's those three. I mean, one of those three have to win the last, right? Yeah, I mean, Outlaw Ace of Spades tripped out absolutely perfect. Everything worked out for him to win. Um, I, I mean, he, that's why I'm just anticipating that maybe this is another setup for him to kind of pick up a helmet and, and get off the rail late and just and just go buy a bunch of tired horses. That, that's all. Just have fresh legs late in that mile. And you know he's capable. I mean, he made 71000 last year. He's made almost 200000 uh, and he's faced much better horses than these. Yep. Well, that's a pretty good look here at our 10 race program for Saturday night at Wood by Mohawk. Saturday, December 3rd, 2022. Plenty of wagering opportunities here. Plenty of wagering opportunities, of course, at the Meadowlands this coming weekend. Free old raceway this weekend racing. Plenty of other harness tracks out there. Plenty of thoroughbred tracks as well. Cigar Mile this weekend at uh, Aqueduct. The Hero World Challenge going on in PGA Golf World. Back with a couple more events for the end of the uh, start of the holiday season here and uh, some college football championship playoffs uh, or champion or conference championships this weekend. That's what I'm going for. Uh, NFL action this weekend, all sorts of great wagering actions. We'll list, wish all of our listeners out there a best of luck this weekend with all your wagers. Uh, Mike Bozzi for you, where can some of our listeners get some of your selections? What's the Nahu picks stuff for this weekend? Yeah. Nahupicks.com. Meadows tomorrow, century tomorrow, uh, Meadowlands all weekend, Mohawk all weekend. Uh, the usual stuff for us, Rosecroft on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Let's go to NahuPicks.com. I have London for Ontario Racing tomorrow, and they have a big carryover to start the pick five. Uh, I think it's about 9000 in a carryover. That's going to be a big pot tomorrow, and it's worth playing. It's actually a very good sequence. That's race one tomorrow. I think they start around 5 o'clock. Before 10 to 5, yeah. Yeah. And, John, for you, what uh, plugs do you have? Your social media is out there for anyone trying to interact with you. Yeah, just at John underscore Rallis if you ever want to, I mean, chat about harness racing or sports. I, I always love uh, discussing it. And, yeah, thanks. I uh, love being on this pod, too, because it gives me the opportunity and the platform to talk harness racing. Well, for me, it's at Edison underscore 1999 underscore. And, again, ladies and gentlemen, with that, we will wish you the best of luck with all your wagers this weekend. And Mike Proposi will be back with you with some guests next week to discuss the Meadowlands and Mohawk racing for next weekend. Have Meadowlands and Mohawk shows the next week as well. We'll have just the standard Boxing Day show for Woodbine Mohawk there on Christmas week. And then we'll wrap it up with the end of the 2022 calendar year. New Year's Eve specials for both Mohawk and the Meadowlands. So lots of great action here coming up in December despite Grand Circuit season action ending. And we will talk to you next week on First Over with Edison Hatter.